Good morning, Mr. Finley. Morning, Mr. Finley. How you doing? I'm all right. Uh, you look like a buck oh five. Yep. Uh, <laughs> apologies to. Uh, we just spent a few minutes trying to straighten it out, and all of a sudden, right as I pressed record, it kind of got straightened out for the time being. But this, for whatever reason, the location where I'm staying this month, um, it, our our recorder here is acting as a receiver for gospel music, and I it'll just it just comes through, and I can't under, I can't get rid of it. It's a it's I don't know. So if you hear a little Mahala Jackson in the background or something, then, in a perfect world there would actually be no music that's just going on inside of your head. It might be. It might be. It's really one of those Gilligan things. Gilligan receiver situation here. Like when you were a kid, you know, like I, I think because technology was so bad in the 70s when we were growing up, there were things like if you held it with one hand and like held a, held a coffee cup in the other hand, you could get good reception or something. So it's, it's kind of one of those situations. But anyway, good morning. Thanks. Get you, get you some rabbit ears, son. Hey, thanks for joining me so early, Tom. Huh? Thanks for joining me so early. Ah, of course. Ah, Absolutely. Ah, come right. on already. Right. Ah, you. A moment with you is uh, <laughs> early anyway, so no sweat. Well, as we learn from today's film, you know, there's no such thing as precise time. It's all it's all kind of an illusion, if you will. No, oh, no such thing as perfect yeah, Joseph are taking larger lessons from our movies. I like oh, it. Many, many lessons from this movie, Tommy. <laughs> Many lessons for this movie. Oh, man. Fuck, I'm uh, waiting. Right. <laughs> um, well, oh, lost you there. You can still hear me, though, right? I can hear you. Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah. No? Yeah. Would you? Yeah. There we go. All right. Sorry. I just sort of lost you there for a second. Uh, yeah. So I was thinking about uh, this rich history of movies. Oh, there's the gospel music. Uh, movies that... Um, try to take on or address in some way mental illness. What a fruitful subject, you know? It's like a, like <laughs> it a subject that's never going to, that's never going to not have, uh, have a little, a little, little something in the teeth there, you know? Yeah. So it's like, I don't know what, like we could, let's review here. Like, what are some of the movies like all about? I mean, the three faces of Eve, that's Joanne Woodward, right? In the early uh, 50s. Now Voyager is the one, this one most reminds me of, frankly, in a lot of ways. Uh, okay, uh, the one this one most reminds me of is uh, Goodwill Hunting. Oh, uh, okay, yeah, Goodwill Hunting for sure, which is interesting. So that that brings us, you know, firmly into the. I uh, granted it was about it was fifteen years ago, but still, it's a modern movie. So what? Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, <laughs> like so I paid to break it's it. Like me, but it's still Goodwill Hunting was twenty five years ago. Film, yeah. Goodwill Hunting was twenty five years ago. I hate to break it to you. Shut up. Nah, it's just one of those things, man. But, and then, um, I think, man, around that time, a movie called Girl Interrupted. Do you remember that movie? Okay. I never saw that. Well, I'm surprised because you really have a thing for um, the star of that movie. I forget, kind of a little pixie, likes to rip off stores. uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Jesus. She dated Johnny Depp. You loved her. That's yeah, kind of yeah, your what thing. What's her name? Keanu? No, I can't remember. <laughs> Keanu Reeves. That's it. Yeah, that's you had a thing for Keanu Reeves. <laughs> little pixie. She was a little. The Meeks. She wasn't. Come on. What is her name? What the fuck is her Winona name? Winona Ryder. Winona Ryder. And that is your mental illness, Tom. Because if I may say, if I, I hope I'm not overstepping. You're kind of a portly fella. Uh, a little bit. A little and bit. You like the tiny, tiny women. Big bone gentlemen. And you like the tiny women. Well, like, hold on. Uh, I, 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 
like I like the women. Let's put it that way. And I have like some. I, you know what? It's more like the. It says she she had like a good. Uh, she made brunette look good. <laughs> Sorry, man. Whatever you're saying is probably great. But not now we have, on my end, what I can hear is like, hold that close, Jesus. And then on your end, like, your dog is going off in the background there, my friend. Yeah, yeah. You want to give me a one? You want to give us a pause for a second here? Pause? No, I don't care. I think it's great. I mean, if you don't okay, mind. Never mind that. I, can, I was going to throw him in the backyard for a bit. Nah, but, uh, I think because he's recently, as I recall, he's had a little nut, uh, nutectomy recently. He has indeed. Hey, yeah, man. no, and now he's all—he's uh, all better. He can uh, run and jump like a yep. little madman now. And he, I guess he just kind of wants to get to that this morning. Let him squeal, man. Let let this be the episode that drives our our smallish fan base crazy between the weird <laughs> music and oh, the dog you. squeaking. <laughs> and somewhere in between, maybe they'll have the the sort of um, sanity, if you will, to be brought to the sanity to listen to us. So so okay, we've just listened to some movies that. That kind of, but of course, I think with everyone, it's like, I mean, I know it's cliche, but it's it's just Cuckoo's Nest is the one, man. Well, yeah, yeah it's probably the best. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, yeah probably. Yeah, I think it is probably the best in a lot of ways because, but then again, it all at the same time, it, it also, yeah, it's it, it's Cuckoo's Nest. Fuck, I never, I didn't, I hadn't thought about Cuckoo's Nest in context of this. Well, because Cuckoo's Nest has that sort of like Shakespearean quality about being about so much else. That it's like, oh, well, it's so obviously about mental illness, but it's about these other things. Whereas some of these other films, I think, really try to focus in on, like, the mental illness phenomenon or something like that. Yeah, right? Actually, I would say Cuckoo's Nest is, is sort of like almost an anti-this kind of movie, as in, as in it's like treating the, the mental illness as more or less secondary to the the heroism at the soul of man kind of a thing but but it can't it's so but that the cast of sort of like the 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 rainbow of characters the the martini and like you know cheswick i want my cigarettes now that's ratchet (laughs) that i mean the the way they flesh those characters out well the way ken kesey i'm sorry flesh the characters out but no, no, but then but don't, 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 let's, let's not sneeze at the actors there too actually one of my, one of my favorite actors is billy in that movie i had no idea That was Brad Dourif. Love that guy now. He's in, um, I just realized he's in an adaptation of Flannery O'Connor's first novel. And it was, I I forget who put it together, but somebody who's not in the film industry like put that together. Or maybe someone who was like Sam Shepard or something. But anyway, we're going far afoot here because it's, we're talking about 1962. This was your suggestion. And I want to talk about that too, because you have this other sort of history just in terms of the the film's existence or, or something. 1962's uh, David and Lisa. Yeah, I guess let's just start off really quickly. I want to get what's your hot take on this movie? Uh, it's hot take. Oof. Uh, I mean, do you like it or not? No, I mean it's it's a fairly dreadful movie. Although there were part, there were elements where I, I kind of wanted to like it. And it was the same things that that I kind of liked about Goodwill Hunting, even though I, I understand the criticism of Goodwill Hunting. Um, I, you know, the main character was one hundred percent unlikable. Like he never got a moment of redemption in my eyes. And, and that, but that, but but interesting. You can still be interesting. And his relationship with that that the psychiatrist, which is like that relationship, is pretty fucking well worn in in cinema. Even the cinema that doesn't try to focus on mental illness, that relationship, you know, like ordinary. I was people. reminded of Days of Wine and Roses quite a bit. I was thinking ordinary, ordinary people too. 
Okay, sure. Yeah, and Jack Klugman, and yeah, I mean that kind of me- the mentor relationship. But the <laughs> difference between Days of Rain and Roses and let's say Ordinary People is that the whole the whole trope is that it's like you know I hate this guy, I'm forced, to, and then like we're buddy buddy at the end, and that's you know Goodwill Hunting too, and and all of that sort of stuff, and. You know, it's like I, I wasn't unsympathetic to that. You know, like I like the there's something about the guy who plays the the the, the psychiatrist who's just something about his tone I find very very likable. Uh, you know, um, Janet Margolis, who's the only act, actor I know in the whole thing, and she, I know her from Take the Money and Run and Annie Hall. Um, it is just you want to tear your ears and eyes out every time she's on the screen. She's just <laughs> I mean, there's just no development in that character. It's just just to sort of give everyone the sense here. She's she's a um, well, we don't know what she has because she's only diagnosed. Yeah, they say schizophrenic, but that's not actually well, what they that don't is. say it. The guy, the guy who's a fucking nitwit says it. David says it. And yeah. um, and so we don't know, but she's got something where the only way she can deal with people is to rhyme, and that never ends in the film. It's just I hop on box. What the fox? Oh, go fuck. Do you need to rewatch the ending because she doesn't at the ending. I just I just watched it in front of you. Yeah. Okay. Well, I I don't want to give the ending away, but that ending is horrible too because he can't be touched, and he's like Lisa. <laughs> Touch me like William Shatner. Fucking it take my hand. It's awful. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's not, not everything about this movie is awful, but it's uh, it really is mostly a fucking just a steaming pile of shit. And and it uh, <laughs> given that this subject has been touched on before, it's not. It's there's nothing new about the way it touches on it. It it <clears throat> everyone who's who's mentally ill is just a caricature. Uh, the parents yeah. are caricatures of the mentally ill boy, specifically the mother, who's just like this shrew of a woman who doesn't... Oh, David, why? what are you doing here, this place that I keep bringing you to? Um, the, uh, uh, the other mentally ill patients are... You know, like in Cuckoo's Nest, it's like they all have these their moments. You know, uh, Martini. Yeah. They all have their like little. Even they, they could be deeply into the the mental illness, and you still see something interesting about each one of them. Every other character besides David and Lisa is just wallpaper, just mentally ill wallpaper in this thing. And then to add, whoever did the score was like it was like right out of the nineteen yeah. twenties, like da 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 da, like ugh. Huh. Yeah, I gotta, be, I gotta be honest. That was one of the things that really stuck out to me this time. Which is that the score is just not very good at all. It's really fucking bad. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that's my hot take. At any, at any fucking level. There was about a, about half an hour in where I thought, yeah, I might get to like this thing. Like, I, eh, it started out kind of rough, but maybe it had to start out that way. But I just felt like, oof, it just never, it never got unbad to me. But mm. but I was really interested, you know. Rather than ask you your hot take, which I'm sure you'll give me, I'm kind of interested in like the hot take of how this film came into your consciousness. Because you you mentioned it, but you didn't really go into it. No, oh, I just remember it was one of these movies that Dad, uh, you know, film number one uh, taped, and I was kind of and at the time I remember being just very surprised at it. It was because again, one of the things I think that one of the things that is kind of interesting that it's one of those where you have to take a movie a little bit at its own historical perspective a little bit. Sure. Uh, in this case, it was what 1962. This movie came out, so shot in 1961, and it was a reasonably sensitive attempt at dealing with mental illness. I think it was much more so than any previous that I'd ever seen. 
you know, like with wine and roses, let's just let's just bring that out there. There was always a certain element of wow, tough it out, you know, a little bit of uh, a little bit of overt Freudianism or something like that. And this was a, kind of a more gentle approach to it, I thought, uh, which is kind of what stuck out to me at the time. And then my dad taped it, and that seemed weird at the time. So. Yeah, it's the same really year. It's the same year. <laughs> it's the same year as Days of Wine and Roses, and you know, I don't know in 1962 if alcoholism was considered in the same sort of plane. You know, if they consider it. society, it was like really kind of on the same playing field as other mental as mental illness in general. Yeah. Uh, well, I think we consider it now mm-hmm. to be that way, but I wonder if people did in '62 if there was more yeah. of a cultural like tough it out because I don't see I don't I don't share your assessment of Days of Wine and Roses, which by the way has its own problems. Like the oh, yeah. the scene with him and the the flower, you know, there there's some fucking over the top bad things in Days of Wine and Roses, but you know, it also like maybe it's because Days of Wine and Roses also has a story that's separate from it. You know, like yeah, like maybe. like uh, uh, what's the fucking movie? I can't quit you, the cowboy, the gay cowboys. Fucking oh, uh, Brokeback Brokeback Mountain. Brokeback Mountain. Brokeback Mountain is about gay relationships definitely i mean to take it to say that it's not it would just be ridiculous but it has an, it has all the all the you could ignore that you could be stupid and not pick up on the gay relationship thing and still <laughs> and still see a movie that's that's full of tension i, I got some popcorn what did i miss right and 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 i would say days of wine and roses it's obviously about two drunks but it's like it's it's about a lot of things really but this this movie, and this isn't the movie's fault. It, it took on something this way. Isn't really about other things. It's just about this yeah. thing. And so, in some mm-hmm. in some ways, it's like kind of um, it lives with the consequences of that. It either does that thing really well or not. Yeah, and unfortunately, it doesn't. I remember it much more fondly than it actually came through in this yeah. last few, in this last few weeks. Got to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. I got to say, first off, one of the things that sort of stuck it in my memory, if you really want to pin it down to it a little bit, yeah, is uh, just as far as um, sort of movie tropes, for lack of a better word. Yeah, I just, I absolutely, I have a, I love awkward and or crazy people falling in love. I don't know why that is. It's a big thing for me. You look Somehow crazy that, people. Falling I guess in love. It, somewhere in my soul, it goes. Maybe <laughs> I've got a chance. I don't know. But like Fisher King or that kind of thing, I like I like yeah. it when, when like the crazies fall in love. I'm about that. Makes well, because me you fall in love with the crazies. What's that? Because you fall in love with people who have who are a little off. That's your uh, thing. That's that's, that's that's kind of everybody's thing, from what I can tell. But yeah, no, no, that's your thing. I mean, that's not that's not an insult. That's that's everyone has a particular thing. You like crazy women. You've said that. Uh, yeah, You're kind yeah. of an enjoyer of the nutbag. Well. So to speak. <laughs> so to speak. Yeah, yeah. So I can see how like movies about you know. So, yeah, so movies for... with that movies with that sort of thing going on, and they're just yeah. they're just a very. I like them. I, there's a little bit. There's, there's a little part of me that likes it. That being said, yeah. I have to say, yeah, the execution on this movie is leaves a lot to be desired, oh, man. Baby. It's a fucking shame. The guy. The, the, I, I keep waiting. The the main character is David. I mean, everything sort of rotates around him. Yeah. And as you pointed out. There's nothing about him that's likable. He's just, just he, he's doing OCD. He's doing a really fucked up version of OCD, which they wouldn't have known what that was back back then. I guess, but that's yeah. kind of what he's doing now. And he's just, it's just that. Well, that's why nobody likes you know. That's why people on the spectrum kind of suck a little bit. This guy is like is just like is is driving the flagship up the canal there. Yeah, I mean the the thing is, if anyone should be sympathetic to this guy, it should be you and I because. 
what what he exhibits is i mean you and i when we were young men tom do you remember that we we wanted to start a political party <laughs> called everyone else is an idiot but we weren't that we weren't oh, totally kidding like we just like oh <sighs> god no these worry. idiots around us you know and you and i so you, and, you and i have superiority complexes in some ways <laughs> yeah. right so it's like you know we should be sympathetic to this guy or we should be like like cringing because the because the portrayal is so good that it like it reveals ourselves and neither one of those things happen. I was just like, this guy is unlikable. Uh, if, uh, what would happen if there were a more unlikable person? Well, here she comes, fox box egg on a leg lady. Uh, oh god, she's great. She's beautiful. Oh, god, love her. Yeah, no, I didn't even find that. I found because because also the movie went, <laughs> to, to to quote uh, Tropic Thunder, it went full retard. It wasn't it wasn't it, it weren't like they got kind of confused about whether she was supposed well, to be so mentally we, retarded. We or, the, what's that, that thing where I get turned on because somebody's like obviously not mentally able to take care of themselves? <laughs> yeah, like, ah, that's your thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, everyone has like five things and one accomplishment is hotties. Yeah, yeah. Thing, yeah, that's that's yeah. So so maybe that's that being it. said, I do have to say the one character uh, I, I I would actually agree, and I think one of the things about it is the uh, what's his, the character's name is Howard De Silva is the name. Yeah, of the Howard actor. De Silva. Yeah, the guy who plays the doctor. Mm-hmm. I like him because he's just understating. He's really super underplayed. He was in. He was in like the, more so. He's got less. He's got less of a force into his personality, and more like uh, he just. He, first off, he looks like a, like a kindly uncle, and fucking always has. Yeah, and there's something about his voice and that mustache where he's always like the authority figure, the kindly authority figure, or sort of, because he was in uh, the Lost Weekend, and and yeah. so he was the doctor in that. But then later on, hardly he's a guy who was born looking old too. He he was in Mommy Dearest like 35 years later, and he played the the studio MGM studio head, and he was yeah. kind of a dickwad in that. But but still, it's sort of like he has like bring this guy in for you know like authority figure like like studio head or psychiatrist or something where he's going to have to he's going to represent the institution either in a kindly way or yeah, or, or sort a of way. a machine yeah right and so he's yeah i mean his 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 acting was probably the best in the whole thing i would say yeah, I, I would I would agree with you 100. And and I like his backstory. Like I looked into it a little bit because I've always kind of liked him. He was also in a Star Trek episode, as I recall. He was Howard Henry Henry Munch or something like that. He was a yeah kind of a con man in there. But yeah, you know, he's a, a guy who lost his his movie and TV career for about a decade because of the House on American Activities. Oh, Committee. did he? Yeah, yeah, he was he was blacklisted uh, in that in that he didn't he wasn't blacklisted on stage, so he yeah. just went back. He just did he just did stage work. But yeah, as far as like anything anything broadcast wise, he was completely yeah. nobody would go near him. This was his first movie back. Oh, okay. Well, uh, you know, I, the, I'll tell you what. There was a, a about a ten minute stretch, maybe a little less in this movie that did I did like a little bit, and it was. Um, the father, because I, I just assumed the father would be worse than the mother, like a totally absent father. And it turned out the father, yeah. that part of the story it kind of intrigued me. And I guess I got to give them credit for not lingering too long on it and ruining the moment. But this father who's, who, who genuinely is trying and yeah. and and um, you're a little upset at David for not taking up him up on it. But he, he can't connect to his own son. And, and it's his son who's unable, not him. He And so it kind of reverses the, the, the stereotype in movies about the father who's unable to relate to the son. Uh, I mean, I, I'll give it that. And 
I mean, it's not the worst movie I've ever seen. I don't want to go overboard. There were things I, I did like or could have liked wanna, about it. You know you want to. Eh, just, I don't know, man. It I was think, an atrocity to the eyes. <laughs> I think about like Fear Strikes Out was five years before this. Although, the, see, I mean, to your point, I guess, I guess that anything, I mean, even Lost Weekend, you know, it's sort of like, eh, people are just sort of monsters. Get your bootstraps, kid. What is it? Get your bootstraps, kid. Pull yourself up. No, no, it's not that. I mean, it, I agree that that exists probably from the audience's point of view at those times, but I don't think those films try to do that. Like, Lost Weekend doesn't try to do that. I don't think, I don't think uh, Days of Wine and Roses does. Um, it's not about that. Uh, but, but you're right. I think that exists on the, on the cultural landscape. But it's more like um, they're just, it's, it's sort of like a freak show. That was mentioned in this in this movie, like like Carl Malda or Anthony Perkins is a, kind of ultimately a freak show to his mean mm. dad in Fear Strikes Out, right? Right. And Ray Milland, I like I like The Lost Weekend, but it does have it's really good. it does have a rubber bat on a fishing line trolling around a room while he's got the DT. You know what I mean? It, ultimately, <laughs> all of these movies sort of step go from mental illness into like Bella Lugosi territory in, in, in a way. So, yeah. I mean, I guess, what could, what could we, can we give this movie credit for trying something? I don't know, man. And that, that, you know, has, the, the thing is, is that I think they were actually were trying for something. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like new approach to a, to a very old thing. But at the, shut up, dog. Um, but at the same time, I think they just the execution just wasn't wasn't great. Yeah, I guess it wasn't, and and also like there are things. See, I I just assume when we watch old movies that that people were dumb and and we are sophisticated. And here's an example: all, <laughs> all throughout the movie, I just kept thinking like, what do you mean? Like you only enter this like you're the insane person's room with their permission. What do you mean? Oh, here's a butter knife. Go for a walk. Like what? What are you talking about? Like you can't you can't have a mental institution where people just do what they want to do. Maybe you can, man. Maybe you can. <laughs> Maybe well, I think, a- again, I think that might have been what they were trying to go for, as far as like being like a little bit, you know, the uh, the experimental sort of approach to mental health treatment as well. It's just, you know, a kinder, gentler approach, kinder, gentler all the way around. It's just the acting. You know, the acting, I think, as much as the writing isn't great. You know what this tells me is is that um, if, if we look at, like, our history books and we look at, like, cultural history, like American anthropology, if you will, like, we think of the later, like, 1965, 66, especially 67 and on, as, like, the the sort of development, if you will, of, well, we just call them hippies, right? And we say, oh, here's when everyone decided to to be free thinkers and like question authority and question the the norms of society and, and all that stuff. But if I think about films like this one, uh, David Lisa, 1962, Days of Wine and Roses, 1962, The Young Savages, anyone? 1961, huh? it's like, Oh, you know what? I think Hollywood, and you know, everyone talks about Hollywood being kind of out of the loop. Sometimes Hollywood's more in the loop than anyone else, man. Because it's like if half a decade before everyone else, uh, there these people are trying to take on social issues that no one really wants to talk about or touch. Mm-hmm. I lost you. Yeah. <laughs> I've totally lost you. I gave that speech, everyone, while, while Tom was just totally left the scene to take care of his dog. And when he returned, he had a, the dog in his lap. And when I finished my big speech, Tom's just petting the dog and he looks at the camera and he goes, 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking dog homo. Not a lot to argue or, disar- or, or disagree with on your on your on your yeah, argument. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, a good a swing and a miss, I would say. But I'll give it credit for swinging. Well, the cinematography was fine. It was okay. <laughs> Even the cinematography. I mean, look, I don't want to give too much away, but the whole recurring dream sequence was. There's a, there's a part of that dream, I don't want to say it, but there's a part of the dream sequence that chronologically, every time he has it, makes zero sense. Mm. I'll talk to you about it after the book. There's a, there's, a, there's a movie we should watch. I think there's this movie that was um, art directed by uh, Dr. Seuss, in fact. Uh-huh. Uh, that's a pretty tremendous use of like dream sequence like logic. Uh-huh. What's we should check out that movie at, at some point. What's it called? Uh, 10,000 Fingers of Dr. T, I think it is. Oh, yeah. I've always assumed. They used to play at the Red Vic in San Francisco, and I just assumed. It's one of those ones, like, uh, I think uh, the movie about Tina Turner did this, too. What's Love Got to Do With It? Where the, where the poster is, it. is, is one of the worst. It just turned people away. And that's that's the truth with that poster. I go, oh no, no, no. And titles. Yeah, I mean, you think about the name of it sounds awful yeah, too, but it it's actually pretty decent. I like. I, I remember loving the movie. So, but you remembered loving this movie too. Yeah, well, sometimes I'm wrong. Sometimes I'm right. Yeah, that's the thing about this is like when we revisit things that we have not seen before. What's revealed is how stupid we were. I, I, yeah. How many times have we done that You're on this show? Just how stupid you are. Well, I guess so. I mean, I, I don't have the history, <laughs> but but. Uh, how many things are going to be unearthed? And it's like, that was not so good after all. Don't never hey, meet man, your heroes. That's what we do, bro. We're fucking, we're, we're, we're digging that gold in them our hills, man. Sometimes you come up with gold. Sometimes it's, it's pyrite. Hmm. Okay. Sometimes you don't even recognize the riches you're standing on with your own two feet. All right. All right. Uh, sounds as good. Always, <laughs> as always, Joey, yes, and. Yeah, hello, yeah. Well, there's no, I mean, you got to have a yes to end, but, mm-hmm. uh, okay. All right. Um, Anything else, Tommy? Right. Uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah. All righty. Uh, I'll t- I wanted to let you know about the the. Tell me how the gospel sermon comes out. Yeah, it's it's pretty strong. I want to let you. I want to talk about the illogical dream thing, but once we're off here. But the the, the 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 dream thingy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. I love you, buddy. Okay. All right. Bye. All right. Take care.